from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up earlier today, the oversight board for Facebook upheld the ban on President Trump, at least for now. But have big tech and woke corporate America gone too far and awakened a sleeping giant? Is pushback or maybe payback coming? Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, whose new book, The Tyranny of Big Tech, is out, and he joins us in just a moment. And moms aren't buying it. I'm not talking about the latest gadget for the kitchen. I'm talking about President Biden's American Families Plan that experts now say will cost more like $2.5 trillion than the $1.8 trillion price tag it was rolled out with. Central to the big government plan is earlier and more robust child indoctrination. I'll talk to Mary Zuck, director of the Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. And despite what is happening here in Washington, D.C., conservative biblical values are still on the march all across America. The left, by the way, is bemoaning the fact that state legislatures are on track to approve an unprecedented number of pro-life bills. So far in this legislative season, 60 bills have been passed into law in 13 states and more are in the legislative pipeline. But wait, there is more. Citizens frustrated with the lack of action by elected leaders are stepping up. In Lubbock, Texas, after the city council voted down an ordinance that would declare the city a sanctuary city for the unborn, the citizens did it in a landslide by a ballot initiative. We'll be joined by the organizer, Jim Baxa, president of West Texas for Life. And in another story out of the Lone Star State, parents said enough of the Biden administration and the left's efforts to indoctrinate students in the schools with their far-left ideology, and they got involved. They took over the school board, elected two city council members, and the mayor. If they did it, you can do it, too. We'll be joined by one of the newly elected school board members, Hannah Smith, later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right, let me remind you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, pray vote stand. Is America's first freedom the last priority of this administration? I'll be joined by President Trump's former chief of staff, Reince Priebus, also the former director, deputy director of the White House Domestic Policy Council, Jenny Lichter, and the president of the Southern Baptist Convention's executive board, Dr. Ronnie Floyd. All of that tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. You can join us, and I encourage you to invite a friend to join us as well. All right, as I mentioned earlier this morning, Facebook's oversight board announced its decision to uphold former President Trump's ban from the company's social media platform, at least for now. But it also chided the company for shirking its responsibility to enforce its own rules when it blocked his accounts indefinitely the day after the January 6th breach of the Capitol building. One of the board's co-chairs told reporters on the call this morning that the board's message to Facebook is that it, quote, can't invent new unwritten rules when it suits them, end quote. What could the oversight board's conclusion mean for Facebook and other big tech companies? Well, joining me now to talk about this is U.S. Senator Josh Hawley from the state of Missouri, who just yesterday released his latest book, The Tyranny of Big Tech. Senator, welcome back to the program. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, the timing of your book's release could not have uh, been more appropriate. Well, I tell you, it's crazy what we're seeing out there, Tony, with this oversight board or whatever it's called, Facebook. You know, I just, to be honest with you, I just have to laugh. I mean, this board is not independent. Facebook set it up. It's a Facebook entity, and it's basically Facebook telling Facebook that it's okay for the company to do whatever they want to do, and we're just supposed to live with it. I mean, that's what Facebook ultimately their message is, is we're going to not follow our own rules. We're not going to follow our procedures. We're going to censor and ban however we want to, and then we're just supposed to take it. And I think, Tony, we've got to get to the point where we say, no, we're not going to take it. We're not going to allow companies like this, these big tech companies, to have so much power. We're going to break them up. Well, Senator, you're not new to this fight. In fact, I think the first time I had you on this program, you were the attorney general of Missouri in which you were taking on big tech for all of the information that they were collecting from the users and doing so for purposes that didn't benefit the users. Yeah, they're still doing that, Tony. This is how you know, by the way, that these companies have monopoly power is that they take our information from us without our consent. They sell it and use it without our permission. They manipulate us against our will, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, I mean, nobody, if we had an actual choice, none of us would put up with that. We would say, no, I'm going to go to a competitor who won't do that to me. But there are no competitors to these major platforms. There is nowhere to go. And this is why we need to restore competition to these markets, Tony. We need to break up these big woke corporations, the big tech corporations, and put the people back in control of their own information, of their own data, of their own lives. Are these the uh, the robber barons of the 21st century? They are, in fact. That's exactly right. They represent the most powerful corporations this country has seen in a century, and I think ever, Tony, because you can go back to the railroads and you can go back to Standard Oil. Those companies, those monopolies, they didn't have control over news. They didn't have control over speech. They didn't have control over information and, and the sort of control over politics that now the big tech companies have. But we know what to do. I mean, we did it a century ago. We say when these monopolies get so powerful that they try to, try to start running our lives and running our politics, we break them up. We say that, no, the people are going to be in charge, and that's what we need to do now. So, Senator Holly, let's talk about uh, your new book. I mean, I, I guess we're talking about it because this is a subject matter, The Tyranny of Big Tech. Uh, tell our listeners about it. Well, this is a book that I really grows out of my work as first attorney general, uh, of the state of Missouri when I, I brought uh, antitrust investigations against Facebook and Google. We were the first state to do it. And then my work in the United States Senate trying to stand up to these big tech behemoths. You know, this book was was uh, attempted to be canceled. I mean, the corporate publisher tried to cancel it. Big tech tried to cancel it. They tried to censure it. They tried to, to silence it. And it didn't work. It's in print now. And they really, as I write in the book, this is the book the corporate monopolies didn't want you to read. That is absolutely true. But guess what? They failed. And so now Americans can get it. They can read for themselves. And, and we can talk about the things that we need to do to put power back in the hands of normal, everyday working Americans. And I really think that begins with breaking up these monopolies, taking away their special giveaways from government and helping families reclaim their lives. I mean, what they tried to do to your book is exhibit A as to why your book is factual and true and need, these issues need to be addressed. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tony. It highlights their power. I mean, the fact that these tech companies wanted to cancel my speech, wanted to cancel the speech of, of others with, with whom they disagree. I mean, look what they did to the Hunter Biden New York Post story where Twitter and Facebook 
really colluding, uh, throttled down that story. Twitter, of course, basically banned it altogether, locked out the New York Post from their own account. It was crazy, crazy, brazen intervention by these companies in a presidential election and in the, the news and journalism of a presidential election. And they weren't the least bit apologetic about it. They weren't the least bit covert about it. They are open in their desire to try and control speech in this country. And we just can't let that happen. Uh, Senator Holly, the American people are, you know, pretty, you know, they, they, they just want to get along, you know, and they're just saying, you know what, okay. But there comes a point where, you know, you poke them long enough and they're going to push back. And I think what we just saw in Atlanta, in Georgia, where you had the, the legislature, the governor there actually addressing issues that came up in the last election. And then you've got these woke corporations like Delta and Coca-Cola, you know, weighing in. Um, and then you've got Major League Baseball that now has egg on its face. Um, is or have we come to a point where it's beginning to tip? And the American people are pushing back. Well, I think the American people certainly are pushing back. And I hope that Washington will listen. I mean, what we what we see, I think, are Americans all over the country saying, listen, we're not going to be dictated to by these monopoly corporations, by these woke capitalists, especially these guys who benefit from slave labor abroad, exploited labor abroad. That is so many of these right. companies who've shipped our jobs overseas, who are happy to make a, a quick buck using forced labor. And then they want to turn around and tell Americans that they're bigoted and backwards and, and the whole nine yards. And I think people are tired of it. They're saying, no, 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 no. This, I'm not going to stand for it. Americans ought to be in control of their government, not corporations. And that's what the book is about. And it's about what we can do to confront that. Well, let's talk about that because you're right. The hypocrisy here has reached uh, unprecedented levels. All right. There is a legislative component here. You talk about the issue of monopolies. There's something there that the 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 the, the, the Congress, the courts, um, and then there's personal responsibility. There's things we can do as individuals. So let's start with Congress. What can we do as it pertains to these monopolies they have? No, I would say two things. The first is we need new legislation that will make it clear that these tech companies cannot gobble up the entire United States economy and put it under their control. Take Amazon, for instance. Amazon shouldn't be able to own and run the dominant e-commerce platform in the world and also own a dominant share of the cloud computing services and also leverage their monopolies in those industries in order to have a retail line of products that it uh, uses its competitors' information in order to in order to uh, produce. I mean, it's trying to do all of these things and more. That's just a sample. I think we ought to say, no, you can't combine all of these things under one company. You've got to spin those off. You've got to break it up. I would start right there. I would also say that the immunity shield, the special deal that these companies get from the federal government, Section 230, that protects them from lawsuits, that protects them from liability, they shouldn't get that sweetheart deal if they're going to keep engaging in this behavior. They should be treated like other media platforms, like other platforms in the country, and they should have to answer to the same rules that these other platforms do. When you look at uh, these uh, these issues of uh, the, the Congress acting, is there bipartisan support for congressional action? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that there is a chance for some bipartisan uh, efforts toward holding big tech accountable, and I would ho hope towards breaking them up. Here's what I wonder about, though, Tony. I think that our friends on the left have really sort of fallen in love with big tech's power. I think they like their monopoly power over speech, especially. 
And the Democrats now want to regulate these companies into censoring even more speech. If you listen to, to the Democrats in the Senate, at least, what you can hear from them is, is pushing these companies to do more regulation, to crack down on more speech, to censor more conservatives. I think that's exactly the wrong direction. We don't need to be increasing the power of these companies, and we certainly don't need to be putting big government and big business together. We need to be breaking up this power so we can have real competition. Uh, Senator, very quickly, 30 seconds left. Uh, besides going out and buying a copy of The Tyranny of Big Tech, what can the concerned citizen do to push back on big tech? Well, take back your family life, for one thing. I mean, make sure that you do as much of, of your life as a family, your interactions together, your time together. Do it person to person. Do it off of these tech platforms. Don't live your life on the tech platform. Have real friendships, real relationships that, is, that are yours, where tech isn't mediating a standing between you and the world. Very good advice, Senator. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we're going to encourage all of our listeners to pick up a copy of The Tyranny of Big Tech and uh, send a message and read a message. Folks, go out and pick up a copy, The Tyranny of Big Tech by Senator Josh Hawley. Um, you know, it actually will send a message to them because they tried to cancel the book. So get a copy, but also read it, act upon it, and do exactly what he said. We need to take back our lives, our families, our communities from, from big tech. We, we cannot allow them to control America. All right, coming up next, the American Families Plan is worse than you think. According to a new report, it'll cost taxpayers a lot more than what the Biden administration is admitting to. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com.
Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pray Vote Stand, PrayVoteStand.org. All right, we've been talking a lot about this since the president announced it last week, and we're going to continue to talk about it. I think it's one of the biggest issues uh, that this administration is pushing. It's under the guise of the American Families Plan, which, according to the price tag they rolled out with, was $1.8 trillion. Well, it just so happens that uh, that was a little bit off. Uh, according to the uh, Penn Wharton budget model at the uh, Wharton School of Business, they are saying it's actually about $700 billion more. So about $2.5 trillion is what this is going to cost over the course of the next 10 years. Uh, so they were off $700 billion. That's not the real issue. The issue is what is at the heart of this is earlier, more robust indoctrination of our children. Joining me now to talk more about this, Mary Zock. She is the director of the Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. Mary, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me today, Tony. All right, let's talk for a moment. We're going to get into the specifics, but I want to uh, I want to go through very quickly the American Families Plan and what all is in that plan and why it is problematic. Well, the major problem that I see concerning child care with the American Families Plan is that it's just what you mentioned. It's the indoctrination of, of children. It's the replacement of parents by a government-approved agency, and, and it's, it's trying to fix a, a problem that America has with fatherlessness by creating a culture that promotes motherlessness as well. This is not really what mothers are looking for, is it? No, not at all. In fact, this is what a very small set of wealthy women, mostly women who don't have children and men who don't have children, think is best for America. The majority of women, the majority of, of working class Americans, of lower class Americans, would prefer to have the flexibility to have a parent stay at home and raise their child. Now, obviously, that's important to the parent. The parent, you know, for many parents, they want to spend time with their kids. They, that's the reason they have kids. Uh, that's why they have five kids. I like to be with my kids. Um, but it's also important for the kids, and it's also important for society. 
Right. President Biden talked in his speech about the American Families Plan, about the lifelong consequences of a parent dropping out of the workforce, even temporarily. The problem is he didn't realize those consequences are good. We know that when babies spend time with their mothers, it sets the stage for their development for the rest of their lives. And fathers, not shockingly, are necessary too. A child who has a strong relationship with his father is less likely to show aggressive behaviors, is less likely to commit crimes. And we've this has been tried and tested in Canada, where they instituted this universal child care, and it was disastrous for, for that generation of Canadian children. So if we wanted to make what they call investments. Of course, their idea of investments are taxes. But if we were to make investments that would bring long-term benefits to society, it would simply be to look at our tax structure to encourage and not penalize uh, moms or dads who choose to stay home and raise their kids and not enter the workforce. So do you have, instead of two parents in the workforce, maybe you have one or one and a half because they work part-time, but the tax structure benefits that so that those child, the, the children they have benefit from all the things you just talked about. Society benefits from that because you're, you're not going to have um, the social pathologies and the the, the problems that are related to fatherlessness in our culture, uh, cost of criminal justice uh, issues, the violence issues. So, I mean, in the long term, it makes sense to, to have the bonding between a parent and their child. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk so much about the negative effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, one of the positive effects of this is that it has proven that work from home works. And, and it, has, it has allowed and created flexibility for those parents who say, we just can't make it work without two incomes. So, so we, we actually rediscovered something because that's the way the economy used to work. The economy, uh, the home, I should say, was the place of business. It was the place of education. In some cases, depending on the rural areas, it was the place of worship. I mean, it was the center of life. And you know, all the negative things associated with the coronavirus, there was a rediscovery of that truth. Absolutely. And we found that parents actually prefer to spend more time with their children, that they want to be involved in their education and in their daily lives, that that parents especially appreciate being able to transmit their values to their children. President Biden's plan tries to replace parents doing any of that with a government agency, a government-approved agency. So according to the to the plan, a breakout of the plan, $200 billion for free three- and four-year-old preschool. Of course, they'll, they'll dictate the curriculum, uh, I'm sure. Then we're talking about free two years of community college, which if we didn't get you through the first 12 years, they're going to get you with their indoctrination in those two years. Uh, then we've got support for child care. That is a $225 billion investment. That is basically paying parents uh, to go into the workforce and farm your kids out to, uh, to child care. Right. And the left is there. They have no problem with indoctrination. We've seen it with the the explicit sex education packages that we've seen in California. We've seen it with with the critical race theory that has been promoted across the country. They have no problem with indoctrination. And now with the child care subsidies and the child care promotion, there's an effort to have a child in the government's hands as right. early as possible. Yeah, all that we've seen in this last year is the last thing 
uh, parents should want. In fact, in this program, though, there's no mention of faith-based providers or religious schools being included. So clearly this is going to be in the hands of more government indoctrinators uh, if you uh, take advantage of this. It certainly is. And, you know, it's parents, parents should have the ability to make the decision of who is, t- is, is instilling beliefs in their children. They should be able to decide, this person is good to be around my child or not. Absolutely. Mary, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, folks. You need to watch this stuff coming out of this administration. Dangerous, dangerous policies. Okay, coming up on the other side of the break, you want some good news? Well, there's a lot of good things happening across America. Might not be here in Washington, D.C., because the left is in control, but not across America. We're going to go to Lubbock, Texas. Some really good news out of Texas. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch, and I am Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Pray, vote, stand. You want to join us, PrayVoteStand.org. All right, uh, good news. Good news coming out of uh, Texas. You know, we, uh, we're, we're hearing, you know, all the, all the bad stuff out of D.C. Uh, that is, the, the ungodly policies that are being advanced by the Biden administration. And it's, I think, in the media covers that because I think it's designed to try to discourage conservatives. But, but here's the thing. 
uh, as as Bible believing Christians, we we cannot give up, nor can we give in. Those are simply not options for us. And I'm grateful to see what's happening across the country. In Lubbock, Texas, uh, over the weekend, they became the state's latest and largest sanctuary city for the unborn after residents approved by a wide margin of 62 percent, an ordinance that outlaws abortions in the city limits. Now, the measure uh, also allows family members of a person who has had an abortion to sue the provider or anyone who assists someone getting an abortion. Over the past two years, about two dozen cities in Texas have declared themselves as sanctuary cities for the unborn, but none of them have been home to an active abortion provider. Lubbock is the first and uh, will not likely be the last. I'm, uh, I'm sure that there'll be others. Joining me now to talk about the ordinance and uh, the movement that we're seeing in Texas is uh, Jim Baxa, uh, president of West Texas for Life, who is leading this effort. Jim, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. So uh, you got to be pretty excited about the outcome here. Yes, we're thrilled. I mean, it was a landslide victory. So we're really excited, and we know babies are going to be saved as a result. Well, the city council unanimously voted this down to the council, and so you did it by ballot initiative. The citizens took the lead on this. It was on the ballot. You organized churches. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was really amazing. When we started this, I thought, well, I know we'll have a few churches that will get involved and are willing to stand up for life. But throughout this effort, we ended up having 200 churches in Lubbock, Texas, stand up for babies and say, we're not afraid of politics anymore. We're going to get involved and we're going to save babies' lives. So it started with a petition drive. We had to collect 3,651 signatures and we had 60 days to do it. Well, in 18 days, the churches in Lubbock were able to collect all those signatures that we needed. And uh, it happened because pastors made announcements at church saying, we have volunteers in the back ready to get your signature. This will force a ballot initiative. And they were excited to be involved in stopping the murder of little babies. So, Jim, what do you hope happens from here? Yeah, so at this point, abortion is illegal in the city of Lubbock, Texas. And we're thrilled by this. And we would love to see cities across the country replicate this effort. And... uh, we're glad to see that Planned Parenthood cannot kill babies in our city anymore. So it doesn't matter the size of the city, from a little tiny town all the way to a large city, we'd love to see them all banning abortion. Uh, let me ask you another question, kind of and kind of peripheral to this. But the city council voted unanimously against this. Now, I think you do have the backing of the mayor. The mayor has spoken out in favor of this. Um, but could you see some people run to replace some of those members of the city council who were not so eager to protect the unborn? Yes, yes. In fact, most of those council members have already announced they will not be running for re-election. Um, they realize that their political careers in Lubbock, Texas, are over. And uh, I, I think that needs to be something that happens throughout this country, that people who don't stand up for the Christian values that the majority hold aren't worthy of going into office. And so we're going to stop them, and we are starting to develop a slate of candidates for the election next year to run a new mayor and a new uh, three city council members. And we're going to put some godly Christian folks in there. Jim, do you think that all of the bad stuff that's coming out of Washington, D.C. that I made reference to, I mean, we've got the most pro-abortion administration in history, eclipsing even that of Barack Obama. Is that fueling some of this, the citizens saying enough is enough, I've got to take action? I think so. I think that's helped some of the churches to wake up and to say we have to do something. You know, me personally, I've been involved in this battle for years, 
Um, but we had a lot of new faces uh, joining us and just excited people. And I think they're saying, you know, we don't trust what's going on in D.C., but we know that we can fix things here in Texas and here in Lubbock. So we're going to stand up and do right, and we're going to protect as many babies as possible and stand for righteousness. Uh, Jim, one final question for you. What would you say to those in other parts of the country who share your concern and your passion? What would you what would you tell them to do? Yeah, I would say y'all can do this, too. Um, I'm going to point them to a website, SanctuaryCitiesForTheUnborn.com, and uh, they can learn more about what we did there, and uh, they can learn how they can do it in their own city. All right, Jim Baxa, congratulations, job well done. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. And, and folks, you can make a difference right where you are. And I am telling you, there is, uh, I'm sensing it as I travel the country, as I talk to people around the country. The, uh, and when we saw this, this is not new. We saw this back in 2009, 2010, after Barack Obama was elected and he put his big rush of liberal policy, Obamacare. There was a pushback. That's what gave way to the Tea Party in 2010. We need a tsunami of pushback. You know, the Tea Party was great. Uh, but we need something bigger. Uh, we need something much bigger than the Tea Party, because we've got to we've got to push back against this agenda that's now not only from the Democratic Party, but it's from corporate America too. And, and the future of this republic depends upon it. it. Start right where you are. All right. When we come back, we're we're going to stay in Texas because we're going to talk about another victory in Texas where parents got together and said enough of this far-left agenda going into our schools. They took over the school board, two city council seats, and the mayor's office. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Get out a pad and pencil so you can take notes. This is good stuff, folks. Don't go away. We're back after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, 
the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. All right, welcome back. More Washington Watch here as we... uh round out the program. Let me remind you, uh, new opportunities to uh, watch Washington Watch. We're now on uh, close to 800 different radio stations. uh, We're grateful for our uh, various platforms, thankful for American Family Radio, Bot Radio Network, uh, CSN Radio Network, Kingdom Keys Radio Network, His Channel, uh, and many other independent stations. And the latest platform, uh, which... FRC's Washington Watch is being uh, heard on is Liftable TV. This is available through video streaming apps like Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and uh, Chromecast. If uh, if you want to find out more, go to TonyPerkins.tv. That's TonyPerkins.tv and uh, become a part of the Liftable TV family. All right, in South Lake, Texas, a community which is northwest of Dallas, Republicans swept local elections and took over the school board after voters turned out in record numbers. They turned out because they wanted to push back against the far-left proposals that progressives on the school board had introduced last year. The plan introduced last fall would infuse critical race theory into the local school curriculum and force educators to take diversity training and other so-called anti-racism courses. Now, the critics say the plan is a radical approach to combating racism and would institutionalize discrimination against white children and those with conservative Christian values. Of course, all of this fuel being poured on it by the Biden administration pushing their radical agendas down onto as low as elementary schools and, of course, now reaching even uh, lower than that with early childhood uh, care. And so joining me now to talk about the developments in Texas is religious liberty attorney and newly elected Texas school board member Hannah Smith. Hannah, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations on your election. Thank you. Now, let me just start right there. What prompted you? I know you're a religious liberty attorney. We've, I think you've been on the program before talking about religious liberty cases. What prompted you to run for the local school board? Well, you know, um, 
I have four kids in the school district, uh, all the way from first grade, all the way up to ninth grade. Um, and we moved to South Lake for this amazing school district. Uh, as many families do from all over the country, they moved to South Lake because of our award-winning schools. And so I became particularly concerned last fall when it became apparent that our school district was contemplating uh, enacting a program called the Cultural Competence Action Plan. And many parents in our school district became very concerned last fall, and we banded together, and we started doing open records requests and finding out more information, and we started pushing back by making public comments and board meetings and doing other things. Um, and so that naturally sort of led into... Uh, my campaign for school board uh, when two open seats presented themselves in January. So how many conservatives are now on the school board? Uh, so there's seven members of our school board. Um, two of them are conservative. Uh, one of them did not run again. And so um, there's now, after we get elect onto the school board um, this next week, there will be three. So the, the, there seems to be a lot of interest in these local elections because this, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was like three times the turnout in this election. I mean, it was a, a huge turnout uh, for the election, which tells me that people are very, very concerned about what's happening in the schools. Exactly. So we had a record number of voters turn out. Um, it was something like three times as many as usual. I think the numbers are usually in a municipal election when there's not a presidential. Um, it's around like 3,000 to maybe 3,500 voters that turn out. Um, but this last Saturday, we had uh, up to 10,000 voters turn out for this election. So um, it was really a phenomenal uh, response by our community. Um, they turned out to say no to these radical philosophies being injected into our school district. Um, and they turned out to support all five of the conservative candidates, two candidates for school board, two candidates for city council, and one candidate for mayor. Um, and I want to talk about that in just a moment, but I, wa I want to stick with the because uh, I want to I want to talk about the city council and the mayor. But I want to, uh, to to delve a little deeper into what happens next when it comes to this curriculum that so many parents are concerned about that prompted uh, this type of engagement. How do you get this out of the school system? So the cultural competence action plan. Uh, was named by a national nonprofit that does um, education rights work across the country. Um, they deemed this program the most radical program they had seen in the K through 12 um, area anywhere in the entire country. And that's really saying something because they've seen a lot of different programs um, from parents all over the country who've come to them to complain and say, how can we, you know, get this out of our schools? Um, it was a 34-page plan that had uh, microaggression tracking in it and punishment of microaggressions, which were defined as subjective, intentional or unintentional offenses that were um, deemed offensive by the uh, alleged victim. Um, they also uh, included in the plan um, 
really invasive teacher training based on critical race theory. Uh, they also wanted to include a metric in job performance reviews for teachers that would rate them based on their level of cultural competence uh, as to whether or not they could keep their job. Uh, they wanted to do student club audits where they would review all of these student clubs on campus, including the religious ones, and uh, rate whether or not they um, were culturally competent. And if they weren't, then they would not be able to stay on campus, most likely. Um, and they also had uh, metrics in there for affirmative action-like programs to try and increase um, our reach um, into different populations for our teachers and staff. Um, so there were a lot of elements to this plan that were just deeply disturbing. The word equity was used over 120 times in this plan, um, which really tells you that this was a plan based on critical race theory. Um, equity, of course, is all about achieving certain results rather than providing equality of opportunity. And so that's why we were really troubled with this particular plan. Um, of course, none of us think that any of our students should be subjected to harassment or bullying or racism or any form of discrimination. That's just not acceptable. But we weren't on board with a plan that adopted this kind of philosophical um, approach to teaching our kids that the color of their skin is really all that matters. You know, Hannah, as you describe that, uh, you know, South Lake, Texas is a, uh, well, to say it's red is an understatement. I mean, it's a very conservative uh, uh, area. If that was in the school district there, I can imagine what parents across the country would find in other jurisdictions if they opened the hood and looked into what was happening there in their public education system. I think they, too, uh, would be shocked. So as you, um, as this new school board, uh, these are two school board members, as you go onto the school board and you take up this issue, uh, are you expecting a lot of resistance? No, I'm not, actually, because we have a brand new superintendent. Um, our former superintendent retired after many, many years um, at our district. And so we have a brand new superintendent. Um, and I am hopeful that he will want to start a new chapter. Um, there have already been some changes in some of his upper level management positions right beneath him at the assistant superintendent level. Um, so he's bringing in some new people. He's, you know, shaking things up a bit. And I know that he has heard loud and clear that our community is not okay with this kind of thing. And certainly the election sent a very big message to the school district. 70% of the voters voted for the conservative candidates. So it really was a mandate. It was a message that was sent to the district that this is not okay. Hannah, I want to transition uh, for a moment to the the, the city council, where uh, two city council seats were, were taken uh, by conservatives, the mayor's uh, seat. Um, what was happening there? So we have a really well-run city. Um, South Lake is um, sort of the jewel of um, North Texas. People come literally from all over the country to come to South Lake because it's such a great place to live and raise a family. Um, and so our city government has been really well-run for the last several years. Um, we have not had the kinds of problems in our city management that we have had in our school district. Um, so luckily, um, the city council, the mayor, all of that is in really good hands. And um, with these new three um, uh, people who were elected to the city council and mayor's office, um, we'll continue to see some really great leadership in our city. 
So, Hannah, my, my take on this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, people are seeing what's happening in Washington, D.C. They're seeing what kind of policies are being pushed onto the local level. And this is kind of the first line of defense, you know, or, you know, for your children is you step in between them and what's coming through the education system. So parents are saying, you know what, I might not be able to change Congress. Uh, I might not be able to affect the state legislature. But you know what? We got a school board. We got a city council and we got to do what we can to push back. If others won't, we will. Is that is that an adequate read on what took place there? I think that's exactly what took place. I mean, I think after the results of last fall and particularly the things that were happening in our school district, I think, you know, a lot of our community thought we've been asleep. You know, we haven't been paying attention to what's going on in our schools. And I think a lot of this actually has to do with um, the coronavirus um, as well, because, you know, with all the kids that were home at school in quarantine this last um, this last year, uh, parents were much more involved in the education of their kids. You know, they were seeing on their children's laptops and computer screens what was going on in the classroom. And for some of them, it was the first time they had really clued in to what the teachers were teaching and what was happening online. Um, and a lot of them realized that there are some really um, insidious resources online that are teaching critical race theory and other things to our kids. Um, and so that awareness, I think, was heightened because they just had a much closer view to what their kids were doing online and in in class. Um, and so I think that um, that coupled with the Biden administration's radical policies, coupled with the CCAP, coupled with um, feeling like, you know, they needed to wake up and really take control of their local school boards and, and all of that, I think it all just came together to mean that we had just an amazing turnout at the polls um, that really sent a huge message. All right, Hannah Smith, here's the big question. Uh, we've got uh moms, dads all across the country listening to this saying, you know what, I'm not happy with what's happening here. I'm concerned about my children. I saw what uh, is happening in their classroom. I got a I got a glimpse of that curriculum. How difficult is it to take this step to run for the school board? You know, it's it's not difficult. Um, you know, you just have to file some paperwork, but really you need to have an army behind you. Um, we have an amazing community that rallied behind me and behind Cam Bryan, who was running in place four. Um, and they were the ones who volunteered to go knocking on doors and passing out flyers and calling and texting their neighbors and organizing meet and greets and doing all of the things at the grassroots level that you have to do to have a successful campaign. So really, it's about creating that network of people who care as passionately about it as you do, so that all of you together can effectuate the change. And that's really what you have to do. Did, did uh, churches get involved in promoting these uh, messages and, and helping people get registered and turning out to vote? You know, there were churches in our area that um, encouraged their parishioners to go and vote. And some even, you know, said we have some people in our congregation who are running, so please support them. We did have an outreach to some interfaith leaders in our community where we reached out to them and said you should be concerned about the CCAP because it has implications for um, religious kids in the district um, and certainly for our student religious club. So we did a lot of outreach to the 
the interfaith community to make sure that they are aware of the issues. And they really did support us in encouraging their parishioners to get out to the polls. So bottom line, Hannah, other communities can do this as well. They can. You just have to be really coordinated and have a lot of people behind you. Um, You know, we had a political action committee that was formed um, that helped in the election. Certainly, we had a huge amount of community volunteer work. Um, We had candidates that were willing to really campaign hard for three and a half months. Um, And we had uh, an amazing electorate that just turned out in force to say enough is enough. Well, I thank God that they did, and I thank you for making yourself available to serve in this capacity. And again, Hannah, congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Hannah Smith, newly elected Texas school board member. And this is one of the things you hear this all the time on TV. Don't try this at home. This is one of those things. Try it at home. Try it in your community. It is time for each and every one of us to take responsibility for the world in which we live. And it begins right there in our home taking responsibility, as we've heard, talking about the education of our children. Do not outsource this to government, especially when we're talking about early childhood education and the indoctrination that's taking place. But don't stop there. Step out into your community. Organize. Become a candidate. Support a candidate. Whatever it takes, we've got to push back against the left, against big government, against woke corporations, It's time to take back our country. In fact, I might borrow from the uh, from four years ago from what the other side said. Hashtag resistance. All right. It's time for us to resist big, oppressive leftist government. I'm going to leave it there until next time. I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, prepared and taken your stand by all means. Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 